the two things I can promise you is you're going to have a wonderful time and you're not going to win. So you might as well just have a terrific time and a good experience. Hi everyone, this is Vikas and you are listening to Run With Fitbitch. I'm sorry for my voice for the last couple of weeks. It has not been the best because of a sore throat and uh, I promise it should get better soon. Nonetheless, the discussion today is all about New York City Marathon. This marathon is so close to all of us, isn't it? And we keep looking for different tips tricks that will help us run this race better. This race is possibly the best race on this earth for marathoners, the pride of runners, the global nature of running, the culture, the inclusivity, people, their stories, and almost everything about this race, the arrangement, the specificity of almost everything they do and the way they do is outstanding, isn't it? And one of the questions about this race that keep coming is how to get to the start line? How do I pace better? What do I find on the race course? How do I pace in the start, in the mid and towards the end? How do I tackle the central part of the incline amongst many other things? People who are going from Asia have questions about layering up because of the cold weather that they come across because of our unfamiliarity to such weather most of the times. And I thought we should speak with someone who is extremely experienced at it and who better than Dr. Jordan Metzel. He is going to be running his 18th time New York Marathon he is a proud finisher of 33 marathons, out of which 18 have been New York City Marathon. Can you believe it? Not only that, he is your person for all about running. Yes, he is a doctor of sports medicine. And let me tell you, a very decorated one. He is extremely, extremely busy. But he was so humble and approachable. When I reached out to him, he was ready to speak to me at almost midnight of his time. And I'm so thankful that he allowed for me to ask these questions that late for the benefit of all of you runners who are going to be attending the New York City Marathon. You will see from the conversation that Dr. Metzel is not only extremely decorated runner, but also an amazing human being. His experience of teaching, his experience of training, his experience of sports medicine, comes so handy in the entire conversation. I do not want to go through his introduction in detail, primarily because almost all of you will know of him anyway. I will put a link in the show notes for you to refer to about him. But without any further delay, I want to get to this special podcast about New York City Marathon with Dr. Jordan Metzel. Let's go. Awesome. Um, Dr. Metzl, welcome to Run With Fit Page. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with me today. I know we we tried to make it work uh, fairly quickly and you kindly agreed. So thank you so much for that. Uh, New York Marathon is coming up fairly quickly. And like what you said, we'll not miss it for the world. And, um, and so I thought 
people who are joining in for the first time possibly they have anxiety um as almost everybody else who is joining for the first time and uh, someone like you can give me some tips and can give our listeners some tips on uh, how to how to tackle the course and many other things we will talk about all of that um but how would we get started with an introduction of yours as to where did you grow up and how did um, how did uh, professionally uh, many things related to running happen to you Sure, sure. So, a pleasure to see you and uh, to be part of this great uh, podcast and series you've created. Um, so, I am a sports medicine doctor here in New York City. I didn't grow up here though. I grew up in a small town, smaller town called Kansas City, right in the middle of America. I have both parents are medical. My dad, uh, a pediatrician. My mother, a psychologist. And I have three brothers. Uh, three of the four brothers are medical doctors. And um, in our family, uh, growing up, uh, part was about uh, learning and studying, and part was about fitness and exercise. Um, I ended up as a sports medicine doctor um, while in residency in Boston, which is, uh, it was actually my internship, my first year of medical training. Um, I was in the city where the Boston Marathon happened. At that point, um, marathon running was uh, popular, but not nearly as popular as it is now. And my brother Jamie was living for a year in Cambodia working with the UN and he did a, a marathon in Thai, in Bangkok and we all thought he was like crazy he couldn't like I couldn't believe he did a marathon so I thought well if my brother did it I can do it and they had a deal where if you ran the marathon in Boston you got the day off work so in medical training you know you're awake for 36 hours in a row all the time so having a day off work is like a golden ticket so i said all right i'm going to do the marathon so i did my first marathon and i just loved it so much i was hooked and now this will be 36 marathons later um i used to do two marathons a year religiously um and uh and jump fast forward um i'm a sports medicine doctor here in new york and my specialty is keeping people moving um and uh i have a specific uh, specialty in running and running medicine have done a, a whole series of books and articles around educating runners on how to stay healthy. Um, and I feel very strongly about the importance of teaching people how to stay active and on the road and doing this great sport, which not only promotes community and uh, health, but also both uh, longevity and a longer lifespan and health span both. You live longer and you live healthier if you run. And uh, so we want everybody to be out running and having a great time. Um. Thank you. The the, I think the point that you mentioned um, that you you strive to get people uh, moving, they continue with their movements. Uh, it's uh, it's something similar that we we try to strive to do as well. Um, we get beginners, absolute beginners, to to get started, get off their couches, and take their first two thousand steps, take their first three thousand steps, and continue doing it. And there have been stories where. a number of them have gone on uh to do marathons including new york marathon uh which we will be um, discussing all about today if i'm not wrong we were discussing backstage that not only it's going to be um your 36th marathon but you it's going to be 18th marathon uh, at new york that's correct yeah um they have a deal at new york marathon because it's uh, challenging sometimes to get in because it's their popular event If you run 15 New York marathons, then you get in guaranteed for the rest of your life. So 
I was thankful to have crossed over 15. This is 18, so now it, it's easy for me to get in, which is terrific. But I, I think to your point of what you're working on, I think uh, you know people need a goal, and you know just saying get out and move is easy to say, but uh, it's hard to really change that behavior. So having a goal, and um, you know once you realize that you can walk you know, a mile or run a mile, run two miles, and then you start to goal set. And then the, you just up the goal. And pretty soon doing a marathon seems normal. Yeah, yeah. No, no, very, very true. And um, most of the times I've seen taking that first step and instilling that motivation for them to take their first step itself is, is so hard. And uh, more often than not, you see people start to drop off right there. They're like, yeah, I see it's healthy. I know I've heard of it. I've read all about it, but I don't feel like doing it. So um, uh, in certain ways, trying to be a catalyst to get them to get moving is something that adds significant value. Uh, today, I was thinking um, we would talk all about New York City Marathon. Um, it's, uh, it's just around the corner. And uh, your experience of running the course, your experience of planning every year, I'm sure, regardless of uh, how many times you have run, how do you get to the start line? How do you um, look at the very first kilometer? How do you keep tackling those bridges? It's something that keeps, um, that keeps all of us excited as well as on our toes to think and plan. Weather is also many times variable. People want to tackle. And we thought with someone like you on board, we could take all the secret sauces and possibly go and perform our personal best uh, that day. And so how about we jump into this conversation? What's your experience been of running the New York City Marathon? So I've done uh, marathons all over the place. And um, I'd say there's nothing like New York Marathon. It is a sensory overload from the second you get on the bus to go out to the start to the second you go over the bridge. Uh, it's just an incredible experience. My first comment for anybody listening to this is you must put your name on your shirt. Whatever running shirt you're wearing, you're going to sacrifice that to the gods of running and you're going to put your name in big letters on the front because with millions of fans along the way, uh, you are going to have the best support you ever heard in your life. Um, and number two is you should bring music if you're used to running with music, but keep it in your pocket and don't use it at the beginning and, and don't use it till you feel like you need it and don't use it the whole time because the experience of New York Marathon is as much about uh, taking in the energy from the crowd as it is doing the running. Um, and that you can think about the experience of running as you get further along, that when you're feeling energetic, you can be towards the middle of the road. But when you feel like you need a boost, you go towards the sides and people will start screaming your name and giving you more energy. And then you can go back in the middle. So it's, a, it's an amazing experience. Um, you know, obviously the day starts by taking the bus, uh, or ferry uh, over to Staten Island. Now, New York is the world's biggest marathon, and it used to be all going at once. Now, there are three separate waves. Uh, and so you may have a start time, which is later than somebody else. Don't worry, that's fine. Um, it's staged out according to, according to your projected time and your pre previous marathons. If you've never run a marathon, you're likely going to be in the last wave. 
But each one of these waves is, you know, 20,000 people. So you don't even realize you're in a wave. Um, the, the course starts uh, by going over the Verrazano Bridge, the first bridge, um, which is a massive, uh, about mile and a bit bridge. Uh, the first half is obviously up. The second half is down. You, uh, you just need to appreciate the spectacle of running over this bridge with, if you look to the left, there will be a, a boat shooting uh, water up in the air and you'll see the skyline of New York off in the distance. If you look to your right, you'll see out to the Atlantic Ocean um, through the Verrazano Narrows. And you will go up to the top of this bridge and then slowly start to come down the other side. Um, there's going to be a lot of people around you. So don't worry about if you're not going fast enough. You have to, you know, the first mile or two of the marathon is just about drinking in the energy and the experience. And, uh, and don't worry about your speed at all. Um, you'll come down the backside of the bridge and there are really three routes onto the main road. Um, there is, this is a two level bridge. So the lower level um, will go one way. The upper level, the right half will go one way, the left half will go the other way. And you'll feel like you may be going the wrong way because for the it, at about mile one and a half to two, uh, all these three ways split when you come off the bridge and you'll see people going all different directions. Just stay with your group. Don't worry. Um, about two miles into the race, they join the different groups together. And eventually you start heading down Fourth uh, Avenue in Brooklyn um, as one big, massive people. Um, miles kind of two through 12 are largely spent in Brooklyn, and you'll go through a series of neighborhoods. You know, one of the great things about New York is it's such a wonderful melting pot of different cultures. And so what you'll notice as you go through Brooklyn is uh, you'll be, uh, you'll see different signs in different uh, country countries represented in different areas of the city. You'll go through an area from Ecuador and then an area uh, from Mexico, and then an area from, with Hasidic Jews, and then an area um, with Irish. You know, everything has a different flavor, and it's all New York, and so that's pretty awesome. Uh, by about mile 12 and a half, you start to go through the hip and trendy parts of Brooklyn. Um, and uh, at mile 13, you get your first glimpse of uh, Manhattan. You're still in Queens. Uh, and at mile 13, halfway, by the way, mile 13, if you have to go to the bathroom, that's the golden spot. The porta potties at mile 13, just before the Pulaski Bridge on the left hand side, there's a massive row of porta potties. That's your target location. Um, I visit those almost every year without fail, and I'm always happy they're there. Um, and then you will start to run over the Pulaski Bridge, which is bridge number two. This is a small little bridge, and that's right at halfway. Um, but the nice thing about this bridge is you get beautiful unobstructed views of Manhattan and you see these magical buildings across the river. Um, you then end up in Queens. You come down into Queens and you're in Queens for about uh, two miles and you'll wrap around through Long Island City. Um, and you will then wrap around towards the base of the 59th Street Bridge at about mile 16. So mile 15 to 16 is going up and over the 59th Street Bridge. This is the hardest bridge because it comes at a challenging point in the race. You can think about it in your head that, you know, the first half of the race is basically to the Queensboro Bridge. And the second half of the race is from the Queensboro Bridge. And 
your goal in the Queensboro Bridge is don't look ahead of you. Just kind of relax, keep your head down, go nice and easy. Um, but this is about a one mile uh, ascent. It's a long, steady climb and it's difficult. Um, and the grade gets a little bit higher as you go towards the middle of the bridge. Um, and so you'll notice, you know, you'll feel like it's just getting more and more challenging and it is. Um, but the key is don't look up too far, just relax and, um, and take it nice and easy. And then you will kind of slowly crest the hill about mile 16 at the bridge. And then you'll slowly start to go down and then it goes down a little steeper. And then you'll start to hear and make sure you're not listening to music here. You'll start to hear a roar. It, it's kind of a faint roar at the beginning and it gets louder and louder. And then all of a sudden you come down around the bottom of the bridge exit and you are all of a sudden on First Avenue where there are thousands of fans, you know, 15, 20 people deep, just screaming your name as you come around the corner. Um, you go underneath the bridge and then you run up First Avenue, which many people say is the kind of most crowded fan part of the course. It's incredible. First Avenue is about a two mile stretch straight up and you'll run up First Avenue um, all the way up into the Bronx. You'll cross over another bridge called the Willis Avenue Bridge. It's a small bridge. You'll be in the Bronx for about a mile. And then you wrap around and you go over your last bridge, which is the, the bridge over the Harlem River. And then you're in Harlem. And Harlem has got a wonderful flavor of people so excited to be there and to see you. And a lot of kind of great music and great vibes and people really screaming your name. Again, don't be shy to go towards the sides of the road if you're feeling low energy, as many people are at that point. Um, you'll run up. Then you're on Fifth Avenue. And the nice thing about Harlem is once you get on Fifth Avenue, it's basically a straight shot until Central Park. It's totally flat until you get to 110th Street. When you get to 110th Street, you are next to Central Park, and that begins about a one-mile climb from 110th to 92nd Street um, to the park entrance. And that's a very challenging time, but you have to know in your heart you're at mile 23, and no matter how bad it is, you'll get to the end, so don't worry. Um, you go up that hill, and then at 92nd Street, you will loop into Central Park, and all of a sudden, there's just trees and people, and it's much quieter. In terms of traffic, there's no cars, and you'll run through Central Park, uh, initially flat, then down a hill, then uphill, and then you end up on the bottom part of Central Park called Central Park South. You'll see a sign that says one mile to go. Um, you will take a right turn at the bottom of the hill, at the bottom of uh, Central Park South, and run up Central Park South. It feels like you are climbing the Himalayas. Um, Normally, the day before you go to see this, it doesn't look like an uphill at all. But on this day, at mile 25 and a half, it feels like you're climbing in the Himalayas. You'll get to Columbus Circle and you'll see uh, bands and amazing sights. And you'll take a right turn, run into Central Park, and you'll finish a tavern on the green with all the flags of the world. You'll come across that finish line. And, you will f and no matter how hard it's been for the last three or four hours, five hours, when you cross that finish line, you'll know you've done something that you didn't think you could do. And it doesn't matter if you've done it once or 36 times. It's a birth and a rebirth every single time. And you'll find that strength inside yourself to keep going. And, uh, and as I think about it, 
even though I've done this so many times, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, every time it's hard, every time you have to prepare, every time you wonder if you're going to make it, every time there's doubts along the way. And every time you find that power inside of yourself, that force inside yourself to push yourself to a level you didn't know you had and finish. And that's what makes it amazing. Wow. The 10 minutes. And then you have dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the And then you have you have the medal, the, you have the medal Monday, and you have the limping and the, the after effects of the marathon. Um, uh, and, and then a number of you come and visit you, whether they should, uh, um, they should restart, they should give up, they should retire or not. But wow, um, such an amazing explanation of the entire course uh, from the moment you start that morning till the moment you finish the the uh, finish at the finish line um you're so right everyone i have spoken with who has finished the new york marathon this childlike enthusiasm of their finishing and their narrating the experience it's just contagious as you were telling even though i'm confirmed i'm coming there in a week and going to be running i was pinching myself am i going to be running this i'm so excited i was i was i was borderline jealous of you that you have run so many times and uh, and you're narrating it so beautifully and i have not done it but very soon i'll be able to say that hey i have finished it so um uh, too so thank you so much for explaining it this way i have a number of questions um, um to talk about because um we can we can possibly split this into smaller compartments and start to tackle each of these because we have received uh, six specific questions around each of these parts and uh, we'll take your help um, in going through those. The first one will be, how do you get to the start line? The question, the endless question and debate between taking a ferry, taking a bus, how do I go there? What should I plan? If my um, if my wave opens at time at 9 or 5, what do I do? Do I start early? What What do I really be doing? So how do you think we approach this? So basically, um, these guys are professionals at getting everybody there. And honestly, whatever they tell you to do, just do. But if you have any questions, when you get to the Marathon Expo, there is a number of, there are a number of help booths, booths which are wonderfully, uh, you know, they're strategically laid out around the Expo and you go in and you, you ask them, and they're more than happy to help you. And uh, that's what you want to do. So uh, if you have any questions about your travel, your transportation, anything like that, you talk to them there and they'll help. Got you. it. Got it. Sure. As you get to the start line, the point uh, that becomes uh, a kind of consideration point that is the weather. For certain people, the, the same weather may be good. For certain, maybe that it's freezing for them. And how should they plan for the time that's the wait period from the time they leave hotels to the time the race actually starts. Sure. So you can think about this as um, you uh, you want to bring uh, a whole layer of warm clothes that you are going to uh, say goodbye to, like a charitable donation to your clothes. Um, so first of all, you want to bring an outwardly very warm layer of clothes um, now, it, you also have to know that the day before the marathon, you have the opportunity to drop off a bag at the finish line that you can pick up at the end with some warm clothes. And so definitely take advantage of that because th those are the clothes you'll put on at the end of the race. And it may sound like it's going to be a warmer day, but even so, 
when you've been running in the same clothes for all that time, give yourselves a pair of socks and some warm clothes. And even if you don't use them, you'll just take them home, but definitely give yourself warm clothes at the end. And then you also want to make sure you bring a whole layer of warm clothes warmer than you think you might need to the start line that you're going to leave. That may be a jacket, maybe. So the first thing is on the bus and when you're out at the, at Fort Wadsworth, which is where the staging area is, um, you're dressed in your very warm clothes that you are going to keep on until uh, you're in your wave start. So what happens is about uh, a half hour before your wave start happens, you will get put into a corral based on your color and bib number. In that corral, then you will be led onto the bridge and you're on the bridge for about 15, 20 minutes before your wave goes off. So you can keep your clothes, warm clothes on all the way till you're in that corral. Um, and then when you're in that warm corral, you'll have a chance to take off those warm clothes and you can leave those to the side. They have volunteers that pick them up and they're all donated to, uh, to homeless shelters. Um, and then you should be wearing a second layer of clothes, which again, um, a warm layer of clothes, which you are going to throw away when you get on the other side of the bridge. That's mostly a jacket. Um, you can have your running shorts and your shoes on normally, but I would recommend like a zip jacket or something as a second level that you're going to throw in. You're going to keep that on on the bridge and you're going to keep that on until you get over the bridge because the bridge can be, the Verrazano bridge can be quite windy and cool. And so when you get to the other side of the Verrazano, you can take that off and throw it. And then you're in your normal clothes. Um, and that's the way you can think about clothing um, on the way there and at the end. Sure. Yeah, make, uh, that makes sense. Now, here, the the point on having also a, an additional pair of shoes, do you do you suggest that considering that a number of vapor flies may not be as comfortable to walk, there may be uh, it, the the soil may not be as, as firm, maybe slightly muddy, et cetera. Uh, what do you suggest? I don't, I, you know, I guess I would say that um, the vape, if you're doing the vapor fly, vapor fly has been good for my business, <laughs> i tell you. Uh, but, uh, you know, truthfully, I think that, uh, you know, we have the most evidence on marathon and, and running shoes being comfortable. So make sure you're in something that's comfortable, not because Kipchoge ran two hours, because, you know, more often than not, you're not going to be Kipchoge. Uh, and, and you're likely going to get hurt if you're doing a pair of super fast shoes, if you've not trained up on, you know, to use those. But if you're a Vaporfly kind of guy, um, you know, they should be fine out there. There could be a little bit muddy, but usually it's pretty, pretty fine. Um, but I think at the end is the place to, to stash a second pair of shoes, not at the beginning. Got it. Okay. Now comes the question on uh, pacing strategies. Um, the pacers are top class. Um you start to get information about people who will be with you um, and, and you can you can go look at, I've seen a number of informal buses, number of my friends who are running, some are targeting 3.30, some are targeting 3.45. We, we are planning to go in a group together, et cetera. But if you don't have your own group, a small group who you can run together with, et cetera, how do you plan you, uh, you pace the entire course considering that it's not not flat out? You know, I think there's so many thousands of, this is the biggest run you will ever do. I mean, the biggest number of runners around you'll ever do. And you have some people you're with at the beginning, some people you're with the middle, some people you're at the end. I think it's almost impossible to run with somebody the whole time, unless you make a pact that you're not going to leave each other. And I wouldn't recommend that. I think the beauty of this is you just 
you know, you, you run across people from all over the world um, and you run with them for a, a little while and then you run with somebody else. Um, so I would recommend, unless you feel strongly about it, uh, what I do, like with my brother, who I do almost every marathon with, is we start at the beginning, we give each other a hug, and we meet each other at the end. And everything in between just happens. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the best way to, to do it. And I think trying to stick on a pacer or stick in a group, is a, it's an extra level of stress in this marathon because it's so crowded that I think is, uh, is sometimes quite challenging. Right. Right. No, that's a, that's a great perspective. And and you're so right that maybe just go in and enjoy it. Why to have a stress of following someone you will feel and see how, how your body is feeling and, and uh, yeah. you'll go, go, keep going. The two things I can promise you is you're going to have a wonderful time and you're not going to win. So you might as well just have a terrific time and a good experience. <laughs> true, true, true. Why to suffer if you're not going to win? So, um, awesome. Um, I wanted to again uh, come to pacing. Should people how how do I how do I plan for the race in terms of pacing? Um, almost everywhere you read it says okay, start conservative. The um, uh, the bridge is not going to be forgiving if you start too too fast and things like those. How do you plan that? If I were to look at this forty two point two kilometers, how am I going to look at splitting uh, the the course? So I would tell you that uh, I never really start to push my my body at all till I get to uh, the backside of the Ver of the Queensboro Bridge. So mile sixteen is when I try and see where I am that day. Um, you know, if you do enough marathons, you know that some days you have A plus, some days you have B plus, some days you have C. Every day is different. You never know where you're going to be. Um, and uh, so it's not time to start pushing until you get to you know to first Avenue, I would say a little bit. Um, but, uh, in terms of pacing, uh, you know, when you've done a lot of these, you know, I keep an eye on the time somewhat, but I'm not really, you know, I, I don't think about it too much. I just kind of let my body go and see what it wants to do. Uh, you learn to listen to your body, what your body is telling you versus, I think that's where people get into mistakes is they try and stick with the 340 pacer or the 330 pacer, instead of just listening to what their body is telling them. And if you try and push too hard, it's like a car, you overheat, you blow up and um, then you have problems. So I think be a good, being a good body listener is something I really encourage you with my patients and I Got do it for myself it. too. Yeah, this is, this is a good point, uh, be a body listener. Instead of uh, looking at the, the clock and absolute value and uh, that may just not be supporting, that may not be supported by your body that day. So, right. Uh, and to be honest, I yeah. I did I did London three weeks ago um, around three thirty and uh, and then for the last three weeks I have not run um, I've not been too well as well and uh, so someone was speaking to me and said Kas, what are you targeting in New York Are you going to make it better than London I was like I don't even I don't even care whether it's five hours or three thirty or three twenty is the fun of being there is the experience it's a joy of being to being able to meet one runner and many runners is what defines the experience isn't it who could say that i was running a minute faster so my experience was this yeah it's exactly right and it, you know the thing that uh that really you have to remember is that if you run 327 335 340 420 nobody cares like yeah. they care that you finish the marathon they they don't care they don't even know what the time means i mean maybe i know what the time means or you know what the time means but most people they don't 
even care. They just think it's neat you finished. So you put a lot of pressure on yourself for nothing instead of just, in, you know, enjoying. Awesome. A um, couple of questions around leading up to the race. Um, also keeping your current profession in mind, in addition to um, you being a runner. Now, the next week is crucial. And as people are traveling from around the world, um, they will be in different uh, sleep deprivation stages. They'll be in different time zones as they they come. The food is going to be different. Culture in many ways is going to be different, though very inclusive, etc. Um As a doctor, what would you suggest for people to keep in mind leading up to the race, uh, the previous few days? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being when you get to a place like New York, the urge is to go see and do everything, but taking time to relax, keeping your feet up, well hydrated. Um, You know, the the biggest important sleep night is Friday night. That's the biggest night to get a good night's sleep. Saturday is bonus, but Friday is, you know, and even if it means taking, uh, you know, something to help you sleep melatonin or something which you know i wouldn't do saturday night but i think doing it friday to make sure you get a good sleep i think that's that's the most important night is friday night that's the big night to sleep and um you know trying to stay uh you know trying to keep your energy reserved so you're building up energy in advance of the race got it like what you said um as we reach a particular city we want to explore everything that's there specifically the running shoe stores, anything we can get customized, anything we can get special, come back to our country with that. And so we need some tips as well. What do you suggest? Where do we explore various aspects of running, even though your oh advice is to put your feet up? <laughs> so I guess the, the, the first thing you have to know is the Expo is the biggest running store in the world. It's a yeah. massive running store made for you right there. So anything you'll want to get running, you can get there. Um, so I would just, I would honestly do all my shopping. They have great, you know, things to get, uh, anything running related, you can get there. I would put my, if I was going to get running stuff, I would get most of it at the expo. Uh, That's the best place to shop. Nice. I would agree with you. That's something I, I keep telling myself and everybody around me trying to convince them that, Hey, I'm going to spend money. I'm going to spend a lot of money at the expo and uh, you should not be bothered how much money I'm spending. So, <laughs> so you are, you, you're so right. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense in terms of, um, in terms of, um, carb loading. I know we've discussed this in great detail with, uh, a few, um, nutritionists as well. And, uh, and there are a num- number of common themes that keep coming, from your perspective, um, what would you suggest how people should be looking at approaching the race day from a nutrition point of yeah. view? So I think that, um, you know, I think carb loading is, uh, I think you should try and, you know, I personally try and increase my carbohydrate content um, within, you know, 24, 36 hours in advance of the race. Um, you, you know, basically aggressive carb loading is probably not as important as we used to think it was, but certainly having carbohydrate rich foods, carbohydrates are the most readily available energy source. And, um, and you want to make sure you have plenty on board. So I think that I'd say carbohydrate rich foods, um, for the 24 to 36 hours before and a carbohydrate healthy meal the night before, but you don't have to do the full, you know, 
10 belt, 10 bowls of pasta before, <laughs> you know, we don't think that probably is as helpful as we used to think it was. Right. I know, um, you did a fairly uh, detailed study of late on strength training among the, the New York marathon, uh, runners, uh, and I know it's a pretty interesting one. So now that we have covered the route, we have covered, how do you get to that and you run and as people finish, they will be evaluating their paces, splits and say, okay, could I do this? That would make me uh, a better and faster runner, etc. What has been your study? And I think that will come pretty handy for people post the race, if not before. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm a big believer. So the whole book I did was called Running Strong, which is a book about how to make yourself the strongest possible runner, mental, physical. Um, in that book, uh, I, I talk a lot about my strength program called Iron Strength, which is a way to strengthen your muscles with plyometric-based training, which I really deeply believe in to improve your running economy, meaning you get more juice out of the lemon of your muscles. Um, but, uh, you know, the other piece is does running make you a better runner? And it, it does strengthening make you a better runner. It definitely improves your running economy, meaning you expend a little bit less energy as you're able to run faster paces. So, you know, one thing I would recommend is doing one or two strength sessions a week of uh, plyometric based training. Um, and uh, I'm happy to send some links as some of the different free strengthening programs, um, all of which make a big difference. Um, so strength training definitely makes you a better runner. The other question though is, does it make you a less injured runner? And we don't know the answer to that. It may not, but it definitely makes you a better runner. So if uh, so for performance, particularly, um, you know, there's a number of things you could be doing, including, you know, doing your not only your longer runs, but also some speed training, some hill training, some tempo training, some strength training. Those are all things you can do to, you know, depending on what you want to do to make you the best possible version of yourself. But again, I want to balance that out by saying, you know, the key for doing this event is celebrating health and the ability to do it, that there are so many millions of people around the world that can't imagine doing this, or billions of people that can't imagine doing this. They can't, even if they could do it, they, they wouldn't be able to do it. They're, you know, physically disabled. They're, they, they're in a place where they're not safe to do it. You know, there's so many, their health is not able to do it. I mean, there's so many limitations. And so just to be able to get to the starting line and to the finish line is such an incredible accomplishment that, uh, I want people to be the best runner they can be, but part of that is also between their ears. I want them to be to celebrate the fact that they're able to do this. Yeah, yeah, and no, that's uh, that's very true. And uh, on the point of uh, plyometrics uh, specifically, because I'm sorry, I have one, I have one last point I want to make on that yeah, too, just sorry. as I'm thinking about it. Um, and my last point uh, is that you know now having done this for so many years, I, I look back. So the New York Runners Club has a list of like your times, and you can look at what my marathon times were. Um, you know, 15 years ago, 18 years ago compared to now. And you look at every race, every New York City half marathon I've done, every every race in that program. So now I've done like, I don't know, 70 some odd races at different distances. And I look at like, what was my time in the New York City half? And if you look at the arrow, it gets one way, slower, slower, slower. I'm still doing great, but relative to where I was, when I look at like back when I first got to New York, I was running, you know, 305, 306 marathons 38, 308, and it felt totally normal. And now I'm running, you know, 335, 340, 345, somewhere in there. And I feel like I'm working hard to get those times. And then if I look at these times, and now I think, oh my God, if I look backwards, I'm like, oh my God, I got so much slower. But 
I'd say 10 years from now, I'll look at the times I'm running now and I'll say, oh my God, I wish I was as fast as I was back then. And so the key is not to compare yourself to where you were, but just to appreciate where you are um, and, 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 and appreciate that. And also recognize that it's only downhill from where you are right now. So enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, um, I think that this perspective is so good that um, people, when they are in the chase of uh, going for PRs, years after years, decades after decades, it's just not humanly possible. You could have a lot left in the tank earlier and so you have picked up later, that's a different thing. But if you've been running well, like what you said, um, on the time scale too, it will show slower, but uh, you should definitely appreciate the journey that you have covered. And uh, and and I think it's natural to be slower, but so long as you are you're stronger, you're confident and healthy, that's what matters. So, so thank you so much for provocating it, isn't it? Thousand percent. Awesome. Now, you you have a role, you have a job that is fairly envious. Um, because not only you're a runner, you have a profession that keeps you around runners almost all the time. I, I would imagine from morning to evening in your clinic and places where you're practicing, you're just meeting runners discussing about the New York Marathon and various other marathons that you've been doing. How have you been contributing uh, to the running community? But more importantly, who are the kind of people who come and visit you and how sports medicine adds value to runners? If I'm an absolute layperson, a runner, what should I think of a sports medicine? Yeah, so no, I, I feel really lucky. And I'd say one of the things that's changed in the past uh, years is that now I'm seeing a number of people on telemedicine too. So it's, it's not only people in person, but also people virtually, which has really changed um, the scope of, of what I'm able to do. And I'd say that, you know, for me, I see runners in, you know, high school and I see, you know, 15, 16 years old, I see runners in their 80s. And, and I'd say the commonality of all them is they want to do the best they can do, but they're always, always positive people with a good outlook. Um, they're, they give as much energy as, you know, they give as much energy to me as I tried to give to them. And I feel really blessed in my job and lucky to be able to help these people. I say the commonality of anybody that comes to my office from any activity is they want to move the best possible way they can. And my job is to help them do that, which is actually even though tiring, very gratifying, um, and uh, and has evolved quite a bit over the years. And so now, for example, at our hospital, we have a running laboratory where we can study different runners and see what, what they need to do specifically to be the best runner they can do. I mean, there's so much in the field that's changed and evolved. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, there's a lot of perspective over years. And it's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you about it because you know, when I'm living it day to day, I don't realize sometimes re appreciate how much knowledge and experience I've accrued over over years yeah, of doing awesome. it. Awesome. Hopefully, I'll get to visit your laboratory next next week. I will I will catch up with you offline to see if there is a possibility. But um, experiencing sure. that is outstanding, and you have been experiencing and living it um, your entire life, almost professional life, and um, and I'm sure it's been extremely fulfilling. I wanted to see, uh, it's, been, it's been an effective conversation. What do you think, um, is there anything additional as people lead up to the New York City Marathon in a week's time from now? Uh, are there other things people should keep in mind? Did I miss anything that you would want to cover? No, I think you're terrific. I just think that, um, you know, getting here from another country, especially a place like India, is a long way. So, you know, give your body enough time to, you know, to, you know, just to get used to being 
in here and to uh, to the long journey and and give yourself time to recover and uh, and put your name on your shirt and have a wonderful time. I have printed mine already and uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, thank you so much for having this conversation. This is going to add great value to runners. That was all for today. I want to wish all of you a good luck and all the best for your running efforts, personal records, and the entire experience this New York City Marathon. Go do well and make all of us proud. Good luck.